Hi there, and welcome to JK We Are Rolling, an actual play podcast about three young wizards who attend the most prestigious wizarding school in Germany. My name is Michael Moore, and this is not a normal episode. Uh, we're sorry, folks. We had some uh, production holdups on our side. We will It will not take two weeks together. Next episode, we're going to uh, aim to release our next episode exactly a week from today, next Wednesday. But in the meantime, we're very excited, and by we, we mean me because I'm the only <laughs> part of my team here but still very excited to have a special guest here today Ashley Hoppy is joining us from our sister podcast Horizons Point allegedly a D&D podcast you hear us shout them out every week at the end of the uh, at least I hope you do I hope you're listening all the way through and you've heard those shout outs and uh, we we decided it was finally time to come together and talk to the people as one united voice. Ashley, thank you so much for coming and joining me today. Oh, thank you, Michael. I am I'm very glad to be here. This is a delight. Uh yeah, <laughs> please if you guys aren't listening all the way through to the end of JK we're rolling episodes, uh uh reassess your values. You should do that always. <laughs> Only the cool kids listen all the way through. And and the cool kids are already listening to this podcast in the first place. So, I'm not worried. Only the coolest people <laughs> listen to actual play t- Tabletop games <laughs> on the internet. That was my understanding. Oh gosh, is that not what I, we're... I hope I'm not doing it wrong. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> what was the actual play that that got you into listening to actual plays? By the way. Oh, for me, I think it was the Adventure Zone. the The Balance mm-hmm. Arc was playing, and I had a bunch of friends who were telling me that I should listen to it, and I I finally did, and I binged. The entirety of the balance arc of uh, uh, of the Adventure Zone, like three days before Dragon Con, and I immediately went and put <laughs> together put together a costume to take with me uh, because I was so obsessed with it. And then, um, excellent, yeah, I I never I never turned back from there. What was yours? Mine was I, now I entered later. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, like so many people. COVID came along, and and I needed stuff to do with my time. And a friend of mine recommended Dungeons and Daddies. And I was still at the point where, like, I thought that Dungeons and Dragons was cool. And I, I thought actual play was interesting. I'd, like, watched a session before because uh, my brother plays. But I had never played myself. So, yeah, I, I dived into Dungeons and Daddies. And much like yourself, I just completely binged through, like, nonstop. And uh, that largely inspired me to start uh, JK, and I've never looked back since. And uh, it's a slippery slope, folks. I don't know if you're listening to this. Maybe you've also <laughs> found yourself sliding down that tricky, tricky path. Uh, one day it's just one podcast, and the next thing you know, you're you're watching two things on YouTube, and you're listening to three podcasts, and you're like, oh no, all I do is watch and listen to actual play. What has happened to me? And then you get to the point where you have to start picking which ones you can do. Like, I had to give up Critical Role because I'm like, you know what I don't have? Four to six hours per week to sit and watch a YouTube video. (laughs) You have to weed them out. I did the same thing, but I will say because Emily Axford is currently in the arc, I am watching just the episodes with Emily Axford. And I thought about excellent. doing the same thing. I did the I did, the I did. I w- and I had to get through so many recaps to even know what was happening, and I was like, ah, it's worth it. I, for 
for uh, one of my favorite uh, D&D players, I will put in the effort. <laughs> She's a queen. She's such a queen. I love her. She's anyway. truly one of the, just the, one of the most talented just uh, D&D players that, that there is. Uh, she's excellent. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Emily Axford. Uh, we love you. Sh- you. Uh, sh- shout, out to em- shout out to Emily Axford, who undoubtedly listens to both of our podcasts. I'm pretty sure she's listening with, to both of our podcasts. With all and of that's her copious thing, free time. <laughs> she's not busy at all. No. And folks, what a wonderful way to bring us full circle, because what is the end result of listening to too many actual play podcasts? The end result is you end up making one, which Ashley and I have both done, and we announced that we were doing it around the same time without talking Completely to each other. Completely independently of each other. Yes, and we've, we've been friends since childhood. Uh, so that was absolutely crazy, but what a great opportunity to, to kind of talk to each other in between episodes or say what we're struggling with as game masters uh, or to comment on really great moments in each other's shows. Uh, and then we thought, why are we keeping all of this commentary to ourselves. Don't people deserve to know? The people deserve uh, and it. that's what brought us here today. And uh, we're only like four minutes into this, but I hope we've set the tone for the level of nerdiness that this podcast episode is going to bring you. It's only going to get worse from here. So <laughs> if, if you if you are still in contact with people who think that there is something like demonic or creepy about Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop role playing games, you just show them this episode and they will be like, oh, it's improv comedy and math, is it? Interesting. <laughs> OK. Oh, this is what theater majors do when they have too much free time. I see. <laughs> oh, oh, this is this is just a group of burnt out gifted kids doing funny accents at each other. Eek. Okay. <laughs> My opinion has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed, but they gave us a rule set for it now. So, uh, we've made it competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh so I'll I'll start us off with some questions. Yeah, uh, start us off. Not? Why not? Kill it. Do it. Since we're both respective game masters here i think a lot of these questions are going to focus on that side of of things obviously yeah and so my my favorite thing about being a game master is getting to to do the narrative bits you know getting to flesh out the story of it um but for me that that has to be grounded in the world building and this is why world building excites me so much i have complimented Ashley's world building time and again. Uh, The world over at Horizons Point is so interesting, so cool, especially thematically. There's a lot going on, but I don't want to get there just yet. I'm going to bring it up (laughs) later. Um, But let me ask you, you know, where do you start with with world building? If you can think back to the beginning of this campaign or other stuff that you've done recently, I, I heard, I don't remember if it was Brendan Lee Mulligan or if it was murph over at nadpod but they were discussing building outside in or building inside out kind of like do you start with the the theme of of the place and then make things that are interesting for you cities and locations that are interesting to you and build outward from that or do you are you the kind of person who goes here's my god pantheon um (laughs) they would create a world like this uh and then building downwards from there what's the process like for you for me, it honestly kind of depends on on the day. I've done both. Um, Horizons Point actually came as a result of 
National Novel Writing Month in 2018, 2019? I can't remember. Paige and I, uh, one of my players, Paige and I have a friend who uh, gave us both prompts for National Novel Writing Month, and mine was something like Victorian London, but make it sexy. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I don't really know what to do with that. But, and from there, I just kind of spitballed a conversation between what would end up being a couple of my NPCs and kind of, I knew that there were gods around that were being weird for some reason. I knew that there was like a creepy old man who owned a potion shop. I knew that there were these characters who were getting together to try and answer prayers because gods weren't doing what they thought that they were going to do. And everything else just kind of went out from there. And as I started building out the other people and building out the NPCs, building out the places. I built the places based on what they would need this, obviously. Why would it be like this? Why Mm -hmm. would the government be like this? Why would the church be like this? Oh, how would they interact? And I Mm -hmm. went out from there. As As I kept on building, I it's like the bricks just keep going higher and higher because the more I figure out why things interact the way they do, the more I have to add on top of it to explain out other things. And um, that's how I found the themes. That's very interesting. Yeah. Like I get themes based on what I've already built instead of trying to build around themes. And so the themes that I'm working with with Horizons Point now are basically what makes you who you are. Is it your memories? Is it your experience? Is it your body? Is it your soul? Is it the people you know? Is it where you're from? What makes you, you? And at what point are you not you anymore? So. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the good stuff, folks. Yeah, so cool that we get to explore these kinds of questions. When we play games like this, I mean, what other game gives you that opportunity? Uh, Except for the maybe very occasional, very good video game. But even then, the writers are dictating what themes you get to explore. And here, we collaborate with our players to explore those themes ourselves. Really excellent. Yeah, feel the same way. Your world is, like, vaguely steampunky. Was that something that you knew you wanted from the beginning or was it kind of like, well, we have an art. I always feel like the second you have an artificer in your team, <laughs> how are you going to get away from that? Like, <laughs> uh, That's fair. You, you can do the like old school potion guy, I guess, and make it even more. But like there's so much into like the building technology. Uh, Orion has done that in trying to craft so many special items for his team and stuff. So was that kind of where that came from or are you captured by the idea of that kind of steampunk edge of technology world i i love that uh it was it was steampunk before mike built his character mike Pugh, one of my players is really he he is the kind of player that will be like what kind of a person do you need like what kind of a character do you need um and i like it both ways the players that are like here's what i'm giving you find out a way to fit it in because that's a fun challenge but it's also fun Mm -hmm. to have the kind of player that's like how would this fit in? Seems like an artificer would fit in pretty well to the steampunk world. Yeah. One of the inspirations behind the world building was um, Fallen London, which is a text-based video game, and they have regular video games too, that is just very difficult to explain, but it does have that sort of like dark steampunky London aspect to it. And so that's kind of what turned me on to the idea of, why don't we do like a steampunky kind of thing? Uh, and it just kind of went from there. But I've always thought that the aesthetic is super cool. Yeah, I, I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. And I, I love this. This is something that Brendan Lee Mulligan also said in an interview. He, he was like, be the kind of player that creates the character that is the most involved with the story, you know, mm-hmm. because, yeah, a lot of players are out there looking for adventure fulfillment, you know, and they're going to play their 
rogue character who was an orphan and uh, is troubled and, you know, whatever they they need to play for themselves. And that's so fine. We're all here for that. We've all been that. We've all done that. Uh, (laughs) If you say you haven't, you're lying. (laughs) You're lying. You're lying to yourself and it's not healthy. And you're lying to us and we can see through you. (laughs) That's even Lisa. Yeah, but, you know, Brendan Lee Mulligan was saying, you know, be the kind of player who who looks at the world of the DM and says, like, I want to be the most involved with this that I can be. You see that right now with with what they just finished over uh, with Ravening War, knowing that it was going to be this very extremely high fantasy thing where magic is rare, but the church plays such a huge role. He was like, great, I'm going to be a bard cleric. You know, like, this is what will get me the most involved with the story. And I, that's so rewarding. That's so rich. Yeah, I, I all, of, all of my players made excellent characters, and all of your players have made excellent characters. And there's always a fun twist to do with whatever someone gives you. I think that's part of the fun of being a GM, for me, anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is like, okay, how am I gonna, how am I gonna make this fit in? But... I was looking for a particular hook and I didn't realize that I was looking for it. And Mike gave it to me with this artificer character of like, uh, you know, his backstory kind of provided the bridge that I needed to be able to move some things forward in the beginning of the campaign. And I didn't even realize I was missing that until he dropped it in. So it's it's just very cool to have. It's very cool to have players that are going to just sort of drop presents in your lap. And it's very mm-hmm. it's a very cool challenge to be able to allow yourself to say, I was going to do this thing, but now I have this. So maybe my idea needs to change so that I can incorporate this as well. That's the best part for me is when your players do something that inspires you and you go, yes, 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 yes. I can run with this so hardcore or even yes, yes, yes. Not exactly what you said, but something, (laughs) something else that I thought even better, but you, I wouldn't have thought it without my players, uh, which happens all the time. (laughs) Or, oh God, oh God, oh God, I didn't think of that. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I should have thought of that and I didn't, but uh, maybe, maybe now I did. Uh, by the way, one final shout out to Mike. I don't know if it's the final one, but it still, because you talked about him influencing things at the beginning of the game and like, you know, it always stayed with me, this conversation that he had. I don't know, remember if it was episode one or episode two with uh the captain of the guard or i don't know the the police chief i i don't remember the exact title who was talking about uh creating an artificial limb uh for his daughter yes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and uh mike's response to this was so excellent just about how you need to actually make sure that that's what she wants because, you know, what you consider to be a disfigurement, I consider to be my body. And this is something that I own. And the way that I've overcome my challenges is actually a part of my personality and something that I treasure. And you need to make sure that that's how she wants to handle it. And this was so beautifully done. I was mega impressed. And anyways, I just want to shout out that moment because I thought that was super cool. And I was like, here we are talking about real, real things uh, in our, you know, fantasy world. At the same time that that same character might be casting a literal magic spell that makes grease come out of him. Uh, <laughs> we can also have these kinds of realistic talks. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of what I love about tabletop role playing is that it gives you an opportunity to explore real life issues in a pretty safe environment like there are some there are some i'm sure you had similar conversations with your player and you know if anyone is listening to this for like actual gm tips you know number number one suggestion that i can make is before you start any game you know sit down with your players and 
you know, ask them what they're looking for and also ask them what they're not looking for because there are certain lines that I'm not interested in exploring. Like I said in our session zero, you know, I am not interested in exploring, you know, certain kinds of assault. I am not interested in exploring racism or homophobia or transphobia. None of those things mm-hmm. are fun or good for me. In other tables, it might be therapeutic for someone to work through those things. That's very fair. You know, there may be times when I want to explore something safely that makes me uncomfortable. And then there will be times where I'm like, I don't want to deal with this at all. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to know, like, what is going to be comfortable for my players? Because at the end of the day, like, of course, we're making podcasts. Like, we want strangers on the internet to listen. We want everybody to have a good time. But, like, I play with my friends and I want my friends to be happy and comfortable and have a good time. Yes. And that's like a real world thing. Well, that's the golden rule. That's yes. Yes. <laughs> to double back uh, before I can meet you here and answer my own my own question. You know, when when I build when I built this world, I should say it was very clear that the concept and the theme would lead the world building. And I actually think I'm the kind of person who says, OK, well, I want my world to look like this. I might even start with a map and go, oh, here's a map that excites me. And then I'll oh, cool. then I'll probably jump really small and then start to build out. Because if you if you start too big and try to build everything downwards, you'll go crazy. Yes. But with this specific campaign, you know, like it was like, okay, it's magic school. What are you gonna build first? You're gonna build the world around the magic school, which is our big sandbox, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. That was clear. And kind of the themes and everything were clear from the onset. And for me, the most important thing was, you know, I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to do it as a podcast. I had actually come up with the idea with Lucas and Nadine. So that was kind of, I was lucky in that way. I wasn't like pulling my group together and being like, hey, how do we want to do this? It was very much like we had had this idea to do something similar. And then I said, guys, you know, we could do this and we could do it because they had had the idea to do it as a audio book or a radio play. And I said, you know, we could do this as an actual play. I've been listening to a lot of this uh, recently, uh, and I'd be happy to do it, but only if you, <laughs> but only if you two are on board and will do it with me, because yeah. uh, you know I would only feel safe having your support. And it was all our idea. You tell me what you think, you know. And they were both totally on board. And I knew Sebastian from jobs that we've done together. I knew he was a total uh, role play freak, which he is. And we love that. <laughs> we need that energy. <laughs> so uh, that was a no brainer for me to, to go and ask him. And, and you know, bringing him in, I, I was very like, hey, please tell me if this isn't interesting to you from the get go. This is the concept. This is the tone. And that, that it is what it is. And there's no wiggle room. <laughs> You know, because we want to make alternative content that's not Harry Potter. We want to make content that evokes the nostalgia, that that gives you the feeling that has the fun, but is not in any way con- connected to this. But in order to do that, we need to know that like, our tone is light. We are goofy. Shenanigans are welcome. Uh, and I even made a system where death is not a part of my of my game system. You know, I was like, I'll take away the fear of dying. You should still be afraid of failure because I can think of 
much more complicated failures than than death that will just you know wreak havoc on your emotions especially for a teenager what's worse than failing exactly (laughs) death isn't a concept for a 14 year old the worst thing you can do is get a b plus on a test that's a fact is that uh did i just reveal too much about myself or (laughs) i was kidding (laughs) oops well, you know, there's going to be two kinds of listeners, the, the listeners who are already nodding along and the and the listeners that go and look at themselves in the mirror after this, you know, and say, oh, and okay. then nod. <laughs> <laughs> and then nod. Yeah, that's it. There's no in between. <laughs> I have a question for you, actually piggybacking off of that a little bit. Um, we love piggybacking. We love it. We love it. It's, it's a childhood staple that and not getting B pluses. When you were creating, you have created your own game system, you maniac. Um, (laughs) So that's so wild to me. Um, It sounds like you had a really good idea of like the kind of stuff that you wanted to do, the tone, the people that you wanted to do it with. What made you to decide to to build your own system as opposed to using not even D&D, but, um, you know, like a a powered by the apocalypse or even like a kids Mm -hmm. on brooms or something that maybe could have lent itself towards this world. Why did you decide to build your own thing instead? Yeah, I I mean, I'd been listening to a lot of D&D, so that was my main input at that time of what, what I knew about tabletop roleplay. And I bought a bunch of different... There's a system called Gumshoe, the Gumshoe system, and uh, there's one that's more focused on being teen sleuths called the Bubblegum system. There was a, a recently released... At that time, it had been re- recently released... Uh, tabletop called Ars Arcana. Ooh, hold on, I'm going to look at I think I still have it. I'm thinking Ars Paradoxica, but that's a podcast. Arcana Academy. Sorry, Arcana oh, okay. Academy, which everybody should check out because I did that was a big influence for me when I was looking at it in terms of tone and in terms of style and like just how to put the world together. But I was reading along and I, and I looked even at a few cuz people have tried to make Harry Potter t- tabletops specifically before. But nothing focused on what I wanted, actually, which sounds weird, but like I wanted to have certain elements that would bring the right kind of feeling to the the game, you know, the the right kind of interactions. What do we call them? Encounters. The right kind of encounters (laughs) into my game. There were a lot of sleuthing mystery style game systems that were about like it was that were very much like this is a mystery game. Uh, so there's going to be locations and, you know, you need to know these kinds of relationships. And I said, yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's not exactly like that. Like mm-hmm. the, the mystery will be revealed, but the, the mystery is the point, but I, I you know, there's gotta be a, a format for the school and I want to work that into the system somehow. And then, so I looked at, um, Arcana Academy and I thought, well, did they do something like this? And like they had great ideas on uh, magic systems that were very influential on me, actually, and about how to build a school that would like I didn't pay someone to make me a huge map of a giant school. I went like what's necessary. And I, I did build a map for myself. But like I much like in Hogwarts, actually, like the school is kind of wibbledy wobbledy. Like there is rooms there and uh, sometimes they're there and then sometimes they're not. And the staircases change and I don't have moving staircases, uh, but like. You know, there's this idea of like, yeah, the school's big and every room that you need is there. And some rooms are very firm. They're classrooms that we go to a lot, but like there's always more to explore. Uh, And I've had little hints of that in different episodes, but it's not been a focus of ours. And then there was Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, uh, which is so heavily battle oriented. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, 
I was like, actually, this is the closest to what I want to build, but it's not there. There were too many ways that it might halt the action if I used that. At least that would halt the action for me for the way that I wanted the game to feel as the players made their way through it. Which is why uh, we have influence points instead of rolling some kind of uh, charisma check. I was like, I don't want a charisma check. I want to be like, you can always get information. You just have to spend points like currency to do it. So you might have to choose what information to get. And I love that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, just it's a fail safe, but it's that was such a heavy influence for me. It was like, it's about choices, not about uh, always a roll of a dice. It's like, OK, because there was one battle where uh, it was sneaking, sneaking into the hideout in Shimmerheim, where all of them went through all of their IPs for the first time, and they came out and they they had nothing left. Luckily, at that point, I had set up the adventure that they were going to have a little rest time and get to meet some friendlies. But if things had gone differently, for instance, if they had gotten captured by Monarch at the end of that, or if Sassley had failed her big magic. Wild scene, by the way. Uh, wild a, scene, by the way. Exactly wild scene. Uh, and it was supposed to be much worse for them. But Sassley did roll big magic, uh, which was so exciting. It was so good. But if she had failed, you know, you go, well, you have nothing left. You will not be able to talk your way out of this. There's nothing to roll. There's not, you know, there's there's nothing to roll. There's no points left. You've left it up to fate. So that was important to me was to say you have access to the information at any given time. Yeah, but I still wanted battle to be a part of the system. So I wanted to write battle rules. I wanted to have a, a way that classes actually showed we're getting better at magic as we take classes. And as I looked at all the things that were important to me and none of the systems, I looked at, you know, five or six systems. I was like, ah, it's not nothing's doing it for me. And I said, I'll just take what I want and I'll leave what I don't want. Uh, but since I'm borrowing from like six systems, uh, I think this is just something different. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is its own thing now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that I mean, that was really fun. And I writing out everything and developing my own creature handbook and my spell list and my conditions list. And I sent it over to my older brother and was like, what do you think? You know, and he's like, all right, let's restructure some of this, Michael. Uh, you mad, you absolute madman, you know, and uh, I didn't have a team of playtesters. I invited over Lucas and Nadine one time. No, we did we did one kind of playtest of like, here's some battle scenarios. Then we did one one shot th that simulated like what a game would feel like. And then I was like, OK, well, the playtest is the podcast. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. I love that. <laughs> I also loved it. You know what? The game, the system is growing up with us and I've been able to. This is cheating, by the way, but I've been able to rewrite the rules as we go along to be what we need as it continues. Battle was very simple for us in the beginning. We have a whole new sheet of battle rules now because we need it because things are getting more complex. I wouldn't call that cheating so much. I mean, that's just evolving, right? I can't cheat because I... Uh, I'm God, so I can't I, cheat. I, <laughs> as the Game Master, writer, and editor of the podcast, I can't truly <laughs> cheat. I think, I think they call this diplomatic immunity. Uh, I, need, I, I need everyone to know that as Michael is, is talking, he is swirling Coke Zero in a wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> like like some kind of soda sommelier. It's amazing. Yes, yeah. Well, that's I am a sommelier <laughs> of of making the rules. If you can't break them, <laughs> ah, ha, ha, ha. 
Okay, uh, let's get. We're, I'm loving this. Uh, this is this is so much fun. We should have done fun. this earlier. We really should have. Uh, okay, so quick question: uh, do, do you use maps for your? Because I I like have an incarnate thing, and I do make battle maps, but I'm not good at it. I can't picture distances in my head, and I'm even bad at doing distances on a map. Like I really, it's struggle for me. Have you been at all making? physical maps for your team or are you all doing it in your head it depends on the encounter Mm -hmm. for us if it's an encounter that has like a lot of stuff that they need to worry about like the um they had a fight in a in a junkyard and so there were like piles of junk that they could hide in there was like a stage that they had built um because they decided that instead of a battle it was going to be a performance because that's Mm. what happens when you play with my friend adam who is a bard in all lives everywhere um 100 100%. we love them (laughs) and Um, we love this energy like (laughs) we love this energy so hard but there were a lot of shout out to adam we're gonna we're gonna shout out everybody hey hey, shout out to all of my amazing excellent players shout out to Uh, adam and to mike and to Paige, and to Caroline, who are my yes. darling love besties, yes. and I, they are my heart and soul, and I adore them very much. Uh, they, we, I have never met any of them, but I feel that we are all friends, because <laughs> I've listened to every episode. We've spent so much time together, they just don't know it. Yeah, they, they feel the same way. It's very funny, because it's, we, do, we do spend a lot of time talking about each other's shows, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, so so for that particular fight, there were a lot of things on the board that they could use to their advantage or to their disadvantage. And so we had to keep that in mind. And so for things like that, what I do is I will find just like a lawn or some rocks or whatever. The important part for me is the grid that shows like how many spaces they can move. And then if there's a thing that they need to worry about, like a big hole or a stage, I will just put that in Google, like the Google version of PowerPoint, whatever it is, Uh and um, just draw the shape of the rock or the stage or the hole. And they have like their little icons that we just share the, the Google sheet and they can just move their icons around. For stuff where it's just like, here's a battle and you guys are just gonna like fight like, yeah, you guys are all kind of up in each other's faces. So for the most part, mm-hmm. we're not going to have to worry about ranges on spells. We'll just do theater of the mind for that. But you're, you you have maps that you make and then you put them on Patreon for people to see. And I'm sure they're, they're I've, <laughs> I've, I've heard tell how excellent these maps are. <laughs> they are anywhere between and excellent and absolutely uh, useless and terrible. Uh, <laughs> Because I've I've made maps for many reasons. Like I, sometimes I make them just the to DMV be like, map. Yeah, yes, the DMV map is famously famously bad. Like there was no reason for it to exist. I was just like, I'm gonna make a map of this DMV because I knew there would be a battle in it. But like, <laughs> it's a DMV. We all know what the inside of a DMV looks like. But yeah, I, I make maps for different reasons. But I've more recently been like as I. I didn't even have ranges on my spells originally because I was like, what for? Uh, and now I've updated all the spell list with all ranges, you know. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, what, what for? when we started, it was also, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. It's a spell, you know, like if it's too far away, I'll just say it's too far away. And that was very much how we played. And the thing is, the more intense the battle gets and the higher the stakes get, your players want to know, like, uh, they they, they want to feel the fairness of the call and you want to be able to blame the rules and not yourself you know and that's what i went, all right well we're gonna start to put some ranges in here and what i did for the first time uh for the fight that we'll preview next week <laughs> uh <laughs> is i i made a i made a map for this battle and i i can do this on uh, the program i use is called incarnate which is a fantastic program 
and you could it's so easy to use uh and uh, i love it uh and i downloaded it as a pdf thanks incarnate shout out incarnate. to incarnate shout babe. out to incarnate our buddy like they don't need my shout out but, but like uh yeah jk <laughs> really brought it. to you by incarnate <laughs> sponsor us i just downloaded it and i you know went on my pdf whatever preview thing on my macbook and inserted text and i just inserted the the characters names uh, and just moved them around myself. I did screen share on Discord. And it was, I was like, I can't believe I did not think of this before. This is so easy. Like, you really don't need anything fancy to make this happen. And uh, the players loved it. You know, they were like, well, this is great. Like, it's, I see myself on the field, you know, even though it's just like an S for Sassley and a <laughs> J for Jasper. But, the, you know, <laughs> it adds that sense of like, oh, I see the stakes in front of me. But I've done a lot of theater of the mind. And I... Sometimes I still prefer it, you know, that you can say, this room is a dungeon. It has what dungeons have in it. So if your player goes, oh, okay, can I use this chain? And you go, yes, you can use that chain. <laughs> uh, even though you haven't specifically said that there's a chain there. And the second you have a map, the danger is, they're like, okay, I see some logs, I see some trees, I see... Yeah. And like, folks, it's, uh, you know, I'm open. <laughs> yeah, if it's reasonable for a thing to be in here, it can be in here. Anyway, so that's a, my recent revelation about maps, and that's why I wanted to ask. I'll let you take the next question if you, if, if you want to ask something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about how, like, you know, the group came together, and uh, I love hearing about how groups come together because it's always – I know that there are a lot of people who just, like, will find a group on the internet, and then, like, they're playing with pretty much, like, total strangers. And, yeah. like, that's – terrifying to me conceptually it's something i think i would have try but like <laughs> i am so like bare my heart and soul and like i know my players and i know that like there's a different there's a different gm style that you need to take with some people versus some others um so what what is it, basically the question is what is it like gming different people because these are all friends of yours but then you have the added fun bonus of uh also gming your wife which i'm sure is its <laughs> own cool interesting thing um, so what, how, how is that? How do you guys like work through? Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's always a back and forth. Um, how do you guys work through that together? Like what's your, what's your style with these folks? Like, yeah, well, um, if, you know, for me, D and D, like I, I do appreciate people who just love tabletop role-playing games and they're like, I want to play. Uh, I just want to play it cause I love it. And I, I get that, uh, in that, that intention. I feel it myself too. But for me, D&D is more of a means to an end and the end is hanging out with my friends, you know? So yeah. for, for me, it's like, I want to do it with my friends. Uh, I want to do it with my family, with my friends. Now, I want to do it with all my friends. Uh, I will <laughs> happily play tabletop role-playing games with truly all of my friends I wish. If they would just stop running long enough for me to sit them down and drag them to a table and chain them there and <laughs> yes. force them to roll dice. <laughs> all of you stop living your lives and you sit here <laughs> and you make stuff up with me. <laughs> Tell a story with me! <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so that's that's my intention with with tabletop role-playing games and and you know for me like my love language number one is probably spending time with people and that's how i that's how I, and what's the best way to spend time it's it's yeah making goofy improv with folks so <laughs> for, yeah, that's first and foremost i think why i brought together the people that i brought together and, and i talked a little bit about how how we came up with the concept and it was always nadine and lucas and the funny thing is i was like let's do this as a tabletop role-playing game 
And now Lucas had played before a tabletop role playing game, so I knew that wasn't really out of the question. Nadine, (laughs) she does not watch actual plays. She's not interested to watch actual plays. That's so fine. Respectfully, she's like too cool. I, yeah, she, I mean, she is too cool. Uh, what makes me angry is that she's such a talented player. Uh, like, she's such a talented role player. Uh, and it, it it makes me upset because I'm like, don't you understand the power that you have inside of you? Don't you understand how great you could be? You know, and she's, she's like, talented. She's kind. She's beautiful. She's brilliant. It's infuriating. Shout out to Nadine. Hi, Nadine. I miss you. <laughs> yes, shout out. Shout out to Nadine. Uh, it's true. She, she's so wildly creative and and such an idea machine and, and she she helps move our our group forward uh so many times just because she has that uh, she she's really quick and uh allows her character to really influence her quickness fabulous but when i brought up to her playing a role-playing game unlike sebastian and lucas who were like heck yeah she was like no i don't want to do that <laughs> I- I'm not really interesting. Uh, and then you know, but like she's also she is cool. And what cool people do is they is they go no, why? What is it? Explain it to me. You know. And then I was like, okay, it's like this. Here's how you play. You know. And then me, her geeky husband, being like, well, uh, what we do is we get together. Uh, <laughs> we do math and tell jokes. Yeah, and you know, it was very much like once she understood the concept and she was like okay yeah i'll give it a try let's you know of course let's try a one shot with our little group and and see how we gel and and i chose the worst one shot ever to do as your first one shot which is honey heist which is a fantastic one shot but if you're a game master who's never planned anything in your life before and it's your first ever anything uh a heist is not what to start with uh (laughs) And if you have new players who never played before and because the thing about heist is usually like you drop, you know, you start in a location and then the players have to go with momentum for what they want. Right. Because it's like the players must create the momentum themselves of I want this thing, which is a lot to ask of new players because they're going, what's going to happen to me next? And it's a lot to ask of a new GM to be like, here's a hook. Okay, you didn't like that one. Here's another hook. Yeah, right. Uh, It was. Very interesting, but, you know, we made it through, uh, and it, it, I think we all still found where where the right moments were, where the right beats were, and uh, it was a long session, it was a difficult session, I made a lot of mistakes as a game master, and I'll tell a little story about Nadine here, is is that they were, we were starting off, and they, they needed to sneak into a house, because there were human clothes in the house, and if you don't know what Honey Heist is, you are bears trying to sneak into a honey convention to steal the honey from, like, the main treasure vault of honey. Like bears do. Like bears do, and you you have to roll to find out if, with each action that you do, if you are becoming more bear-like and basically going crazy and becoming a wild animal, or if you are becoming more human-like. The bears were trying to sneak into a house to steal some clothes, and... Nadine had managed to climb up on top of the house and there was a security system uh, and I was like okay now um, you you know what you see is you see there's the chimney here and uh, you you know I was describing to her what the top of the roof looked like and I was like you look down but you don't you you just see a dark a wall in your way she's and she said but I noticed the black box off to the side with the red button in it. And I push this button, which deactivates the alarm. You know, and I love this. It was so, <laughs> this was so confident. And I, and I had to stop. I, was I like, will not be stopped. So, I love that. 
That's not really how this works, but this is the energy I want from everybody. This is great. The game does not work like this. Uh, That is very funny, though. Yeah, but she's like, it's collaborative storytelling. We are collaboratively telling the story. And I was like, yes, but more me, less you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're like, I build the Barbie house and then you take the Barbies and you do things in it. (laughs) It was great. It was one of my favorite moments ever. She also had very smart moments during this that, you know, totally caught me off guard as a first time GM, which, you know, one of the zookeepers had followed them. And this was supposed to be kind of a potential ally for them. He wasn't a a terribly bright guy. And he, you know, is kind of like, oh, don't know the bears escaped. Uh, Oh, no, my friends, the bears. But he walked up and he he sees them and they failed some roles. And, you know, he was on the phone then, like maybe going to call the police or animal control or whoever. And uh, they just knocked him out. Easy to do as a, as three bears to knock out one human. So they knocked him out. And Nadine goes, his phone's on the ground, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I pick up his phone. And I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Start oh, no. Oh, no. using the phone to do things. I was like, how did I not realize that giving them a phone would break my whole thing? Luckily, they broke the phone very quickly because, again, bears. Bears. Uh, bears. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's just the thing that was magic. But anyways, I don't know if I answered your question. Uh, how did I bring my people together? I just got together people I thought I'd like to play with. And I was like, would this be interesting for you? <laughs> yeah. Kind of what uh, we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're getting tight on time. So I want to get to some more, uh, specific questions. Okay. <laughs> one fear. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> um, so one thing I did before we met is I went back and I was so interested to listen did back to... Did you do to... research for this? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what? He, he, he smirks silently. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a meme that goes along with this. The Velociraptor thinking meme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's old school. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old school meme kind of guy. <laughs> So I went back and I listened to your creation myth, actually, because I was like, I want to speak intelligently about this. And this was the first thing that you ever published. And I love creation myths, love them. And so I don't know how much of a of a secret or a mystery your creation myth is supposed to invoke. So I don't you you tell me when I've gone too far, because I, I am unsure and I'm not sure. If, if this is something that will be revealed or if this was just like food for thought and you can talk about it, I don't know. But I was thinking, is this the is this the creation myth, this universe that you created, or is this the creation myth that the people in Horizons Point have for how their world was created? It is the creation myth that the people in the point have for how the world was created. Okay. So the the creation myth that the people have, for those of you who haven't listened to it, is that there are like four elemental gods. There's like the sea and the earth and the sky and fire. And then there is the unyielding lady who's the goddess of life uh, uh, and the, uh, the gentle lord who is the god of death. And... You know, the creation myth is like these elemental gods kind of trying to trying to like basically build friends for themselves uh, and like banish a nothingness and like fill this place with people. And they don't understand like, oh, these people die now. Why is this? We're sad. But hidden in that is the actual story of how the point was created, which I guess Mm -hmm. I won't spoil if you're interested in listening to it. But, you know, there when the when the gentle Lord is introduced, he has like a big hole in his chest where there's a silver heart. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. (laughs) 
So the, that is the story as the people of the point know it, but the real story of what actually happened is hidden in there, or at least the story that I knew at the time, because like you said, it is the first thing that, that we put up. It has evolved. Especially the defectors has probably evolved that very much. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had always thought this was your creation myth for, for the world. That was your creation myth. Mm -hmm. And I went, and it was so cool. You know, this is why I did my research. I, I went back, I listened to it now, and it dawned on me, oh, this is the creation myth for the people of Horizons Point. And I thought that was so cool because I went, it's cool when you go back and you listen to things and the listening back to it is a twist. You're like, oh, that's a twist, uh, you know? And I didn't really understand that until I heard the Majestic Architect, the Unyielding Lady. I started hearing these names and I knew these were the names that the people in the point had for their gods. And I was like, that's so cool. I just thought it was really interesting. So I don't know if anyone else wanted to know, but I had my question answered. Uh, ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say any more about it because I want people to draw their own conclusions. Uh, should they listen to the defectors or, uh, and of course, to the entire podcast, please. Uh, we'll say more on that later. But folks, this is, an e this is a five minute listen here. Uh, pop on over to Horizon's Point and, and, you know, smash that play button. <laughs> smash that like button smash that play button <laughs> don't smash it twice because then it stops like don't you know do it with the right amount of pressure <laughs> one thing that i think i'm just going to go through my at least some of the things i've you know love and i talked about your your uh your thing here and i'm not gonna let you talk okay so the, the, <laughs> nobody wants to hear me talk <laughs> uh, one thing that i'm obsessed with about your campaign is the idea of cryptids and for people who are going to go listen, I won't say too much about how cryptids work, even though I think it's revealed not. It's like when they figure out how the city works, you, you, you get the idea and, and it, Relatively it kind early of on. comes. Yeah, but uh, I love the idea of cryptids just of, because folklore is so interesting. My campaign is based on folklore. Every single piece of the world building is based on German folklore. So I love the idea of folklore come to life. So uh, here's a few questions on cryptids. Your most terrifying cryptid would be one that I've made up, or one that I have that actually exists. Uh, I, I'm fine with it. like, <laughs> yeah. As I ask you right now, right now in the moment, who, what do you think is the most terrifying cryptid out there in in the mists? Um, in the mists, uh, the man of many horns, which has been oft referenced and never seen, so I can't say too much about it, but. Creepy. And, and yeah. who did we meet? Remind me, who did we meet in your one-off Halloween episode? We met the false prophet, who is the servant of the man of many horns. Okay, because he's also real freaky. Uh, he he's also not scary. great. Yeah, the false the false prophet is a way too tall, way too thin, sort of slender man esque zombie tiefling. Yes. With claws right. that uh, are very uh, long and, and bad, and uh, sometimes his uh, bones bend the wrong way. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also a big horror freak, which is bad because a lot of my players are not, so I'm having to cage that. But sometimes it sneaks out. <laughs> uh, I love it. I like and also just the idea of like you know like your pantheon is set up and your pantheon become cryptids and you know this is all kind of mishmash together which is how the world works and what's so scary about beliefs having real say in what happens in the real world uh spoiler alert uh but <laughs> but of course even if it's not real the darker side of 
uh, of belief of folklore will exist whether that comes from a real place or not because human beings understand innately that life has light and dark sides yep okay the palifax cryptid <laughs> yes mommy mommy palifax was the, is there a name for that cryptid or is it just i, I, I called her the frigid witch <laughs> oh that's such a good name no she didn't have a name um because she was made like very she was made like very quickly like in the moment so like because it was yeah. like a a, a huge well, i loved it because they just had this fight with her in front of the whole town yeah so it was like yeah yeah everybody believes that she is a frigid witch yeah. and that's why i called her that I, I that's an excellent name that is her canon name now you guys heard it here first uh the frigid oh, witch that's yeah. she tishy um but no i honestly i i I just wanted to give them another battle because they hadn't fought, like, fought, fought for a while because <laughs> they skipped the whole fight that was supposed to be at mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, y'all just aren't going to do that. Okay. They so. went for a peacock contest instead, and who can blame them? Yes, what was supposed to be a pretty standard enemy battle instead turned into which of these suitors is going to subdue the eldritch peacock first and remove its diamond collar to <laughs> ma- to marry not even the actual uh, debutante <laughs> but a bard masquerading as the debutante to give her time to go off somewhere so we wouldn't have it any other way uh yes this is the way it should be role-playing games are weird <laughs> role-playing games are weird uh and so are we so <laughs> Uh, here's my question the god squad Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and folks if you haven't listened through and you want to skip through some of these questions because i'm getting into it now um spoiler spoiler alert (laughs) i promise not to reveal like anything too too much but uh the god squad are they themselves actually cryptids because they've referenced that they also have cryptid versions of themselves that are separate but i know that you've talked about their godhood and their cryptidhood yeah it depends um okay some of them have associated cryptids some of them mm-hmm. do not okay uh it kind of depends on the way that they have presented themselves and how people think about them and how much people talk about them mm-hmm. but some of them have committed actions that also gave them an associated cryptid so they are spoilers they are a normal person they also have an element of godhood and then they also have an element of cryptidhood like Aaliyah is probably the most extreme example because she is herself spoilers she is the goddess of life and she is also the the red doctor this like plague cryptid yeah um and all of those things are true at the same time I you know and I was really thinking about Aaliyah as I was listening to the most recent episodes which have really brought us you know back into uh the current state of affairs uh back with team DBD we we miss them we love them my babies uh, I was thinking, I was like, Aaliyah's level of power must be somewhat greater uh, in on some level than the rest of the squad because she has so publicly and so recently, like, the, the Red Doctor, you know, gossip ha- has exploded. So her power of cryptidhood, I would think, would be uh, extremely potent at this time. Uh, okay, so one final question for you. I, j- I just had this thought the other day as well. So. Uh, Okay, if Gallia ripped a piece of a soul from a warlock, would she get nothing because that person's soul already belongs to its patron? Or would the warlock's patron come and demand repayment from Gallia? 
This is like one of those funny hypotheticals. Oh, it's a thought question. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I guess it would, part of it because of the way that the world works, it would have to depend on the strength of belief in the warlock's patron. But mm-hmm. I feel like the most likely scenario is that Gallia would get a piece of it and it would be a fight. <laughs> yeah. Where like the patron was like, yo, that's mine. That's my soul. And she's get, like, get your uh, own. I, I don't know. I have this power and it seems like it's kind of mine now. F- feels like I have it and it's kind of mine. <laughs> Please leave me If alone. it's your soul, then how come it's dancing with me? <laughs> weird. weird. <laughs> your soul is in your patron's body. My soul is in my hand. We are not the same. I, shut up. I have it, okay? <laughs> I put my soul into a, a bird toy so it's there <laughs> oh is this is this it you want your soul your soul it's a dinosaur now uh-huh. <laughs> uh i just had that thought as well thank you for humoring me <laughs> oh, no. that's that was a really fun question actually um do, do you have any questions about my world bit where we're, we're at the time where we know. went but it's only fair if you get to ask me a few so uh if you want to you can Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rapid fire rapid fire realness this, if you will. Um, yes, rapid fire realness. Who is your favorite NPC to play? That's that's a hard question because I have a lot of favorite. <laughs> I can tell you that uh, the easiest for me to play for some reason is Mildred. I don't know why I embody I love this, this so much. <laughs> I, but like, you know those those NPCs that you play where you go, I don't have to think about this person. I know exactly what they're gonna say and do. Uh, and I have two NPCs that are like that. One is Mildred and one is Brock Carter. Uh, these are apparently the two sides of me. Uh, I, if you split me in half in my soul, I would be this 60 plus year old uh, woman who's seen it all and done it all, uh, but truly only wants to be loved. And this terrible jock child. Yes, this absolutely awful <laughs> uh, boy who actually just wants justice and to prove himself, but is yeah. so wrong. He's just so wrong. <laughs> so he a little confused two. but he got the spirit <laughs> and uh who's the most fun to play though it's always the villains right like oh, i yeah. love playing Uville. she's she's dope <laughs> she's just uh she's so cool. yeah she's a very complex character with a lot going on she's like an anime villain of just you know this like what is your backstory and why are yeah she's so she is you know how anime villains are always like 30 years I spent in the rain and I uh, like it's just you know like <laughs> mad backstory and then you're like and then there's so do we so... just wait for you to finish or can we fight or <laughs> but they're always so goal focused and you and you can feel for them and they they come they're complex then and you know uh, their their inner stories intersect the stories of the hero and I love Yuval for that and of course playing Connect is always fun I, I never had more fun as when I got to play him in this conversation with Jasper in Jasper's Dream. That we talked about that scene. I I because yeah. going back to talking about how I really like characters that are not all good, not all bad. That side of connect mm-hmm. of being like, sit down, let me give you some cocoa, let's talk like people was so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, it's you know I love that he he will he does want to achieve his goals at at any cost and he's tried violence these kids are giving him so much more trouble and it's not that he couldn't launch an assault on them but he's like why am i spending time on you know (laughs) what is my time worth yeah and the fact that jasper was ready to talk and you know ready to make a deal and i love this moment i yeah shout out to to truly for that episode that series of episodes eric uh, with Loris. Oh, hope spoiler, 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 Eric, spoiler, 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 spoiler. If you're not caught up on this show, but then why are you listening to this? Uh, yeah, why just episode? skip episodes? Don't do that. Uh, that's weird. 
Eric's scene with Loris, uh, Sebastian's brilliant use of his master skill. That was so clever. <laughs> so like, to good. Count out the so, words like that. so, so, so smart. And the whole thing. And also Loris is fun to play. And uh, the, the team has gotten very close uh, before to, there was a scene where, very early on where they talked to Loris where they failed an investigation role that would have absolutely killed my entire plan for the campaign. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, they were not aware of that at the time. And I love playing Larisse because also it's all, all, all my villains, they're just really fun, fun to play. And I think because they're so much more complex in so many ways, because, you you know, how do I justify this? You know, they're justifying it. Mm-hmm. You know, those characters are justifying it. They believe in what they want to do. So, yeah, I mean, there are also some crazies. We haven't spent much time with Manticore the centaur yet, but uh that guy's unhinged. Uh, yeah, we'll he, he had that energy. <laughs> he does. He does have that energy. <laughs> so good. Okay, that's 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 one. Uh, oh, perfect. What is the most unexpected thing that your players have done? Like the thing that has thrown you for the biggest loop so far? You know, I going back to the beginning, like. I, I had Mildred as the very obvious contact point for them and was very much like Mildred is giving you the she is the quest giver. She said to them, end of episode one, will you help me figure out what's going on in the castle? I don't know who to trust. You three are brand new. I trust you. Help me investigate. She the- has the yellow exclamation point. above her Yeah, head. exactly. Help me investigate the 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 other first years and, and the teachers to kind of give them a jumping off point to go. Okay, it's week one at school. Let's go and talk to everybody and figure everything out. They did not talk to everybody. They became immediately suspicious of Mildred and uh, fully launched into an investigation of her and met Yazedva so much earlier than they were supposed to. And I will Yazedva really held back in his fight against them. It, he, I love him. <laughs> I love you, Sandba. The heart of a poet, the body of a giant. <laughs> the body of, uh, like, the body uh, of a just... very, very, very big poet. <laughs> also sometimes a salamander. So occasionally a salamander and sometimes an actual giant because he has size-changing <laughs> magic. Um, I was like, this is a very dynamic, multidimensional character that you guys are not really ready for yet, uh, but you've done this and I'm going to let you. <laughs> and that was kind of their first very... I mean, the fight against End of the Librarian was was maybe scary in some ways, but there was still this kind of like, we're in the library feeling, you know, and there's other students here and someone will come save us eventually, probably. Uh, this was very much like we're doing this on our own. We and Mildred have cooked up a plan and we don't know what this guy's capable of. And it was scary, the fight with Yazadva. I didn't know if they would survive, which, to be fair, it did not at the end look like they were going to. And the way they stopped Yazadva was by figuring out what the relationship between him and Mildred was, which was the real goal. And they got that ally so early, which was fantastic. Uh, it really allowed for some great development for them. Yeah, but that was, I didn't realize that, like, they read into these things I was saying so much like, oh, this person's really, I don't know if she's trustworthy. And I was like, she's the only one that's trustworthy in my head, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. That was so early that I think it really left an imprint on me of, like, how unexpected that was. Yeah. Well, it changed the whole trajectory of the campaign. Like, how do you not 
It's the same way very early in our campaign, and this is another thing that I've learned for anyone looking for actual GM tips, don't call for a role that you're not willing to follow up on. Because when I told Adam in the fog, go ahead and have Jenny roll a luck check, just in case. And I was like, eh, if they get a nat 20, I'll give them something. And then they got a nat 20, and they met the lost girl way sooner than they should have. Yeah. It changed the whole trajectory of what they were looking for. When something like that happens, like... It's a huge sticking point because you have your in your head like eh, this is probably how the first co- 10 sessions are going to go like this is the big mystery and then we'll then they'll have like a branching path and they'll decide what they're going to do but I kind of know what they're going to do and then to change it that immediately like yeah it sticks with you I feel that <laughs> yes, I feel it that does. really hard it does it's those yeah. early ones where you go huh um uh, yes, we're doing this now. We're doing this. And then and then they start looking into things and you're like why are you looking into that? And then there are some things that they miss entirely and you're like well huh yes that'll bite you when it bites you definitely some of those uh (laughs) i had some i had some early hints for loris for instance which they just just right over and i went all right (laughs) that's fine that's fine you'll 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 remember that later when you go back and listen (laughs) i've had some of those myself there's one major mystery that they never looked into which uh is definitely going to bite them on the butt. Yes, sure will. Spoiler, spo- spoilers for Nadine and Lucas and Sebastian, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's like not a spoiler. It's more like a veil, a not so veiled threat, uh, I guess. I- <laughs> it's not even a threat. It's just a fact. It's a fact. It's just a fact. <laughs> it's just a thing that you guys need to know. <laughs> so I know we are so short on time. So I will just ask my last question. And we will, and we'll have to do a part two of this because this was actually like really fun. And I have so much more I want to ask you. Um, I love that. What is your favorite magical creature that you've made so far? Uh, you There's a right answer, Michael. <laughs> oh, I know what your favorite magical creature is <laughs> because I just wrote two episodes about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Ashley did very much impact my decision to make more episodes featuring our lovely corn pigs, the barley sow. Corn pigs, corn pigs, corn, <laughs> corn pigs, corn pigs. Corn I pigs. Love, I'm obsessed with the corn. I literally, I was listening to the latest episode right before we came on here and I texted Michael in all caps, corn pigs, corn pigs, corn <laughs> in deep excitement i knew you would appreciate um, it. but in all seriousness <laughs> what is your favorite magical creature <laughs> God, it's you know it's so uh it, because they're all mine because i made them all like it's not like what's your favorite creature from the monster manual of D? it's like my babies maybe what's the one that you're proudest of like the one that you think is the cleverest or because i really like how uh so many of so many of the things that you write are bilingual puns <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> true uh yeah i do my best to make that i I've, i told my players on like day one session zero i was like the official language of the system is english uh it's deutsch english <laughs> it's just fully that way i said there's no wrong answers when it comes to what language you're you're speaking yeah you know i do feel like in a way i don't know if this is my favorite creature but rasselbach have become like an unofficial uh mascot for our team yeah they're like the face characters because i mean bumper had such a big role in in the shieldless's adventure at the beginning he rolled insanely well they had this fight against this alp uh which was destroying my players uh but bumper rolled like uh i forget it was like four successful hits in a row uh because of like a game mechanic thing and just took up the alp by themselves and they were like that guy rocks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then that whole story where Sassley was a bunny and he had a good, it was so cute. Yeah. It was like, oh, it broke my little heart. Okay. I'm, I'm, so I'm actually, I'm like, I've pulled up my, 
my list. Of Are you looking at your own magical creature list? I'm looking list? at my own magical creatures <laughs> list because there's there's many that we haven't met. Um, so I'm going to limit it to to people that we've seen so far. Uh, the way that like Sphagish have come into the story, I really value. I and I I love the Sphagish people and their. They seem so cool culturally. Like I'm very interested yeah. in. And they're very like alien. Like you know them in the way that they are people like they are peoples they are persons um but you know i forget there was some question somebody asked about like uh what about spherkish babies or, or something within the, and i was like uh and the spherkish guy was like well we don't really have babies so much as we incorporate pieces of the earth into our bodies and are reborn after several centuries you know like it's like this is so they're so different from you and so weird uh you can't really speak their language uh but at the same time they're so approachable uh so i really i really like them they're very cool. Uh, there's some creatures I'm very excited to uh, hopefully uh, put out there, you know, one day. Is there one we haven't seen that you're really excited about that you would feel comfortable sharing like a sneak preview of or no? Okay, first of all, I want to say of the ones that you've seen so far, I think Tatzelworms are my favorite, which was the <laughs> cool pet in the room of uh, uh, Star New Song, which is like this kind of draconic creature, but with a cat face. Uh, and little stinging, uh, like, thistles all over its body, like little stinging hairs over The cat-dragon caterpillar, yes. <laughs> I think we all know the cat-dragon caterpillar, uh, which course. is exactly yeah, what yeah. it is. It's literally a cat-dragon. And uh, we don't know this because we didn't see it, but the way that they move is that they float on the wind. <laughs> Their body allows them to literally float from place to place, and they usually do that in very large groups. So it's dangerous because they, first of all, will eat your vegetation. And second of all, they're highly poisonous to touch. So that's... Do they meow? So are they just like floating on the wind like... Yeah, yeah it's like little tiny, meow, barely perceptible meows. Yeah, so I do love that. Okay, and let me see. Okay, a sneak preview of a character um, that we haven't seen yet. Uh, you know what? I'll do this. I will. I will use this to. We'll end on like a little reveal here uh, of, of a cool of a cool creature. I, I really like this idea. So here I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my ideas. Um, in my world there are dragons. This is already a reveal. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but we haven't really talked about it. In my world there are dragons, and dragons are dual natured creatures, which means they have magical connections to the shadow realm and to the material realm. Meaning they can probably live in either realm at will. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the plot at all. <laughs> <laughs> dragons have been mentioned that we don't know about. Uh, and dragons have been referenced that the group did not decide, like little things that I mentioned here and there were references to the dragons of the world. But there are different kinds of dragons and they have different abilities. I'm going to talk about one in specific, which is the Lindworm. And essentially, there were sky dragons and fire dragons and water dragons and, uh, you know, different kinds of, uh, of, of creatures. The Lindvorm were the earth dragons of this world. And if you know anything about folklore, you know that Lindvorm, if you know anything about folklore, you know that Lindvorm <laughs> are usually considered to be wingless dragons. This is basically what they are in, in Germanic folklore. And in, in my system, Lindworm are the only draconic creatures, including Tatsuvorm, including all these other miniature versions. We have wyverns and we have, uh, they're the only ones without a connection to both realms. Ooh. They are firmly creatures of the material world. And they're, they're kind of long, sinuous dragons with, with four legs. 
And while they are intelligent, they're not as intelligent as other dragons because they gave up a part of their of of their magic. They are a group of dragons that decided to cut themselves off from the shadow realm because they are these earth dragons so connected to the material world. And at some point they were like, we don't want anything to do with this other realm. So they swore off this part of their magic. And because of that, they lost their ability to fly. They lost part of their magically enhanced intelligence, and they react very poorly to creatures of the Shadow Realm in their presence. Oh, wow, interesting. Uh, so there's a lot of positive legends about, uh, about them, actually. They're positively spoken about in Germanic folklore. They actually are protecting creatures, but they're also very dangerous because they, they're, they're not— They're still dragons. They're still freaking big old dragons <laughs> with, with earth magic. So they're, yeah, they're kind of hidden throughout the world. And I think they're very unique. Uh, and I like their backstory of why they are the way they are. So there we go. Lindworm, little preview Sneak of very something fancy. you might see in the future. Who knows? <laughs> well, fantastic. All right. Well, folks, uh, yeah, that is all the time that we have for today. But thank you again so much, Ashley, for being on our show today. Well, thank you, bud. We'll, we'll have to do it again sometime. Maybe we'll release a, a part two over there. Folks, go head on over to allegedly D&D pod Horizons Point. Ashley, where can we find you on social media? You can find uh, me specifically, if you want to, uh, on Instagram at dumpsterfirecosplay, uh, all one word. If you want to find the show, you can find us at allegedly DND pod. That's the letter D, letter N, letter D, at allegedly DND pod on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, kind of. Adam runs that. Ginny <laughs> runs that. So the response you get may be interesting, but you can also email us there at gmail.com. Uh, we're we're kind of we're kind of uh, we're kind of all over. But yeah, that's where you can find us. Great, and you just announced today that uh, y'all are taking a, a little hiatus right now uh, because a hiatus, a little hiatus because we got we got a character, uh, uh, not a character, a player uh, with a new baby. We have some other life stuff happening, and yes, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. So that's fantastic. And why is that fantastic? Because folks, there's no better time to jump in at episode one and give these folks a listen to. Or you don't have to be episode one. Find somewhere that's interesting for you. We got some one shots on there. Yeah, give them a listen to. And you've got just enough time to catch up before they're back with more amazing content. And uh, yeah, you know us. We're going to be back next week, next Wednesday, with the thrilling conclusion to our current situation uh, as these characters face down the terrifying pig zord uh the the new defenders of neujachenberg (laughs) and we wish them lots of luck i am already editing this episode and i tell you what it's a doozy so make sure you tune in don't miss that yay uh and that's it for us this week we'll catch you next time back on the point (laughs) and in the meantime Remember to keep your head brain sharp, sharp and, and your wand at the ready. ready. <laughs> it's hard to do this with a several country delay. <laughs> Perfect. JK, we roll in each magic out of control. Start running, each coming.
what was the thought I had? I might have to cut this out. But there was a thought I had um, <laughs> as I was listening because someone made a joke and I went, that was terrifying. It was B. It was General B. Reborn the first time General B was saying with her Eastern European accent to Aaliyah. Uh, she was saying, hey, I'm going to go check on Mallory because she's called us all together. But I'll let you know if something happens, like if there's a uh, pile of, of dead bodies down there and we need to like do something drastic, I'm going to let you know. And I was like, actually, that would probably be the first time that Aaliyah would be really grateful for anything that Mallory had done. Yeah. And that thought popped into my head and I went, that's terrifying. Thank God that never happened. That Ma- that that Aaliyah never decided to go to Mallory and say, hey, you want to you want to impress me? You want to make a good impression on me? Uh, here's what I need and what and use her. Uh, so I guess props to Aaliyah for not becoming an evil genius who used uh, demigod's powers to take over her fake created city. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, because she's a, uh, Aaliyah's a complicated character. That's kind of I love one of the she, things. She is probably my favorite of the, of the squad, of the God squad. Uh, I'm so, so connected to her uh, for, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do with characters is I, I, I find characters that are all good or all bad, very boring. And so I like to I just really like complicated characters. So like I am not gonna stand in front of anyone and say that Aaliyah made no mistakes and has behaved wonderfully her entire life. She has not. But you know, and, and I guess it's the same for that whole group of people is like, what do you do when you have so much trauma that has built up that like you haven't dealt with for various reasons and like mm-hmm. you're just trying to exist and you're trying to get yourself back into a place of perceived safety to maybe you guess work on yourself um <laughs> but you're just committing atrocities in the name of trying to make yourself feel okay because that's what your trauma is telling you to do it's like how much yeah. of that is your fault because it's some of it and how much of it is the fault of outside circumstances because it's some of it you've also lost perspective because you've suddenly gained godhood yeah you know and i think that's the thing because when you start getting to the point in your story where you go okay so 50 years pass yeah uh that's a crazy sentence and you do start to lose i think perspective as a character on you know, what it is to be a normal human who's eking out my, you know, their daily lives. Aaliyah already has problems with perspective, so... Uh, yes, she does. Um, all that to say, like, she's got a lot of problems. She ain't, she ain't perfect, but I don't think any version of her would ever be quite that conniving. Because one thing about her is... Because, like, I'm, in, my, in my own head, I'm like, God, that's a good idea, because she could have very well, like... <laughs> like tried to broker that but she's always been very honest about what it is that she's trying to do and mm-hmm. why i think she's way more honest mm-hmm. with other people than she is with herself but she presents the truth as she sees it whether it's real or not and she is she is she is not a conniver yes yes i see that there there are one or two connivers yes. in that group but she's not one of them <laughs> uh yeah that's very true yeah she's very upfront of like I found this in this book and I don't really care that I'm cursed. Let's do the science. That's very true. 